All right, good afternoon, Mr. Finley. Hey, Mr. Finley, how are you today? I'm okay. Um, I, you know, he's an asshole, I think. I, well, I don't know if he's an asshole, but uh, let's just, maybe we should start here. No, no, we'll start here. Okay, how about this? Uh, the, uh, I am tempted, just out of a sort of rejection of like social justice warriors, or the PC culture, whatever it is, um, to, to, I want to cling to certain like um, iconic figures. Like, like, you know, let me just say this. Fuck you, Hefner. Let's just start there. Like, I thought, I always thought of him as like a, what are you, uptight? He really liberated. But you know what I learned later on was that he, um, I'll probably re repeat the story when we do an episode on her. Um, that first episode featuring Marilyn Monroe, with the first layout, the new, uh, she begged him not to put that in there. That was stuff from her youth. And he was like, oh. fuck that. I'm putting it in there. It's like, ah, fuck you, you Hefner. Yeah. And also sort of like by the end, it was no longer like, what we kind of knew, like the, the silk roby guy was like, let's get these nine bunnies on quaaludes and come jerk my fucking old ass off. It's, it's kind of yeah, gross. Yeah, he got gross. He got seriously. I mean, he was always a little bit skeevy, but he got like genuinely just gross. Well, it's the it. mythology around it because it's like, you know, what I want to think of immediately is like the, the Playboy Club in Chicago and the cocktail book. And it's like, you know, kind of how to be a sophisticated man and open up your right. sexuality. And it's like, we're at that. Yeah, I would admire him, but... You know, uh, but it but also, stop there. I'm also thinking of Ernest Hemingway because Hemingway, I like his writing. I still love Hemingway's writing. I, sure. I'm, I'm a big fan. But, yeah. you know, a little bit. Like, there were like two Hemingways. I mean, there were three. One was the depressive guy who killed himself in Ketchum, Idaho, right? Right. There's that guy. But putting that guy aside, there's like the two halves. And the one, the half I admire is like the guy who like joins the Italian Ambulance Corps or during right. World War I or, or goes off to fight, you know, against Franco in Spain and. And, and all that stuff. And then there's the other side where it's like, and he reminds me of other people, like the Duck Dynasty guys or something, where it's like, really, wait, let me just get this straight. You, like, purchased deer urine to hide in a bush until it came out and you fucking <laughs> shot it? There's another part of him, too, which I think is really interesting, which is where he was kind of, like, taking advantage of himself almost in a sense, like Hemingway did. Like, there was, like, there, like uh, uh, what is it, the snows of Kilimanjaro. Yeah. He's doing essentially, like a like a, like a, like a ironic commentary on what he's done to himself. Sort of. Like he had a certain self-awareness he was able to bring into some of his later work that kind of redeemed a little bit of that. But you always wonder which is chicken, you know, chicken or the egg. Was he doing that to be able to write that? Or, you know, like where did that, where did that begin and leave off? No idea. I mean, his early stuff was what it was. Beautiful, brilliant, honest, straightforward, very, yeah. very clean. And like you said, following an actual, uh, following the course of an actual man doing thing. Yeah. Not with not not with an eye of a man doing things overtly masculine, just you know to prove something. But even that, like I'm okay with that uh, to some degree. Or like the you yeah, know yeah. at points he would write articles to cash in for fifteen hundred bucks, and it was just like got up today and went quail hunting. It's like knowing people would read it, and it's like just nonsense, you know, right. journal journal like journal not journalism but journal writing. Um, yeah. Uh, but I I mean more of the kind of like. Um, well, I mean, there's a lot of... Con oh, I'm sorry, we'll get to the films in a second here. There's a lot of controversy. Like, I, a lot of people get really, really mad at those, like, hunts that where, where basically white uh, Westerners go over and, like, hunt an old lion and stuff. And I'm a little mixed about it because I, there is information about, like, some of those lions are kind of um, older, dying, and have become a menace to the herd. So, so donating money to be able to do it. But at the same time, it is kind of weird. 
Um, but I don't know. I've never gone hunting, so I'm not really against it. And it could be a, a, a thrill that I'm just not aware of. But it's that kind of like I'm going to hide in a bush and, and use all these like duck decoys. Like, wait, I mean, it, just get a duck. You got to fucking pretend you're a duck. And then invite it over, and then like that's the point where it's like, ah, you're an asshole. It's really hard to squeeze a duck, and then you have, be able to get a shotgun in your hand. Jeff. I don't know. <laughs> uh, are we going to call this uh, episode "Toxic Masculinity"? Edition? I don't know what it is because, oh, well, that's another issue, really, and it's uh, it's that uh, you know you've done another. We we have these issues with each other, and it's sort of like the the writers' room issue or whatever, and it's like, um, almost most of the time, with a couple of exceptions. Even when I've objected to your like ideas for an episode, I end up like appreciating the films. But there's a, there's sometimes a classification problem. It just just from my hand. Like I don't know what the fuck we would call this episode. I honestly don't know. I cannot. I've racked my brains over because you just. That's one thing. I will compliment you by saying the films that you suggest are oftentimes very cool, but the combinations are like unfathomable. I don't know what like movies about men with hair. <laughs> like what? Hey. Yeah, well, this one, you started, by the way, I should say this, you, uh, you, you, you texted me and you wanted to do North Dallas 40, the, the 1979 football film, and I was like, all right, great, a football episode, and Slapshot. It's like, like movies with sports generally in them? Yeah, <laughs> professional sports movies. Right, it's just so retarded. And then Basically, this, it's, those are just two movies I want to watch, actually, really, when it comes down well, to okay, it. Well, okay, but... really it, what guides me on these I things. know, but the classification skills, to me, have to be sharpened, which is a separate issue and mu a much lesser issue than the meat, which is like you have good ideas for films. And, and I would say that's true of today's, too. Today, I, 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 I bought. I, I went for your bait because today's is their sports documentaries. And that last word, documentary, like, narrowed the slice of the pie enough to go, like, okay, sports documentaries. Because, like, how many of them are there, especially pre-1980? So I guess maybe we'll just end up calling it sports documentaries. I think we should. Yeah, the, the Finley's toxic masculinity edition. I think should be part of it. <laughs> the that, that turned out to be the, unex the unexpected joy. Well, I'll tell you why it came up because it's our first film, which is 1970s, The Man Who Skied Down Mount Everest, <laughs> which is a documentary. I was sort of startled at the title when he texted that to me. But uh, to me, this film it reminded me of like of the better parts of Hemingway, or you know, really maybe a uh, subject of a previous uh, episode, the better parts of like a George Plimpton, like. It's a film. It's a film about um, a particular type of sport, which is like adventure or extreme Wait. sport, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like to say like the the title is like maybe the most spot on of all titles ever. <laughs> really, what this movie is about? It's a documentary. This uh, Japanese um, skier. Well, he's, he was an Olympic skier in like an adventure, like a thrill seeker. Is really his thing. He was an He was a uh, an Olympic skier in 1964. Yeah, yeah, and like a hell of a skier, like practically like one of those people who's like born on skis because because of, of where he grew up. But um, but yeah, he's you know ultimately turns into an adventurer slash thrill seeker. I think is probably the better way to put it. Yeah, well, uh, and he comes up with the crazy idea of trying to see if he can ski down Mount Everest. Yuchiya Miura is his name, the Japanese skier. Um, yeah, and so yeah, I, I like that that idea first of all, right? I'm a fan of. of that sounds insane to me, just like right off the top. Then that that was what kind of drew me. I'm like, how in the fuck? I want to say I might have seen this when I was a kid, or yeah. like parts of this. But uh, but I was just like fascinated by like whoa, that fucking title just dragged me right in. 
One of the things we deal with a lot, I think, with, with movies, and it becomes particularly intense a conversation or analysis when it comes to documentaries, is the distinction between a documentary that's about something so interesting that it doesn't matter, it's just kind of like put the camera on it, versus somebody who creates like, a documentary as an art form. Yeah. Right. And so like, I, I really, I have to be honest, I'm much more in that camp. Like as far as my appreciation, the second one, hands on a hot body. I mean, what a fucking, like what a nonsensical idea, but what a, what an interesting documentary. It turned oh, out. I see what you mean. Yeah. Also, uh, uh, yeah. Broadway musical after that. <laughs> it was, um, uh, but the, uh, sorry, I lost it. Sorry. The, with, with the music of Danzig. Yeah. It was actually the music of Trey Anastasia. Shut up. I'm not kidding. But, uh, <laughs> that sounds dreadful. I'm out of my depth. I had no fucking idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but anyways, but this, no, no, is, no. But, but okay. this is that first, this is that, that, this falls squarely into that first category. It's almost, no, it's second like, category, which is, the, which is that it's not just pointed camera at something interesting. It's the, it's, well, yeah, it's a commentary. It's, it's almost, I, there's a point at which you're, I'm looking at it going, I mean, how much is this actually a documentary? I mean, it is and oh, it kind yeah. of isn't. It's a camera that's following this crew as it climbs up Mount Everest and then the, the, the resulting event right there. But really what he's doing is there is there, there's a there's a voiceover of this guy's journal entries that's going up. Yeah, well, and it's like his philosophical uh, musings on, on what's going on. Yeah, well, I wanted to make the, the point... Um, just adjacent to that, or, or just just before that, but you you know, let's get right back into what you were saying because it's true that there are there are ex- sports documentaries, especially extreme sports or adventure sports documentaries that are of the first variety that I enjoy. Like for instance, the Barkley Marathon, the the run that um, eats its young, right? That is not a, a particularly like well made film or anything. It just happens to sort of document something that's pretty fucking incredible. The Barkley Marathons in Tennessee, or I think one of you and you and I saw together, and it was uh, it was called the Dawn Wall, where the two guys uh, free climb the Yosemite <laughs> face of the wall. And it's like, yeah, the skill is that you get a camera up there, and that's amazing, of course. But beyond that, you're just you're just shooting. But back to the point you were just making. How do you do the second? And 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 you were saying one of the things they did is they took the guy's journal and then in English read over it, right? Right. And then they also did a lot of really cool stuff, and this is what made it art, I think. And that is um, they took a lot of B roll. So so yeah. it's like to, to talk about like what are my motivations? It's like okay, let's let's get a a, a a few minutes of like the Tokyo subways and like what it's like to live that life and why we want to do this other thing separate from the the, the sort of an urban nightmare of, of Tokyo. Right. There's also like some really like like so they're going up Mount Everest, which has the quality of just being, you know, it's a breathtaking spectacle under any sense. Literally, but sir. They did some really fucking, you know, but they did some really great stuff with cameras up there. Like they had a night shot of a of like one like ice face of Mount Everest that it was at night you could just see it was like beautiful. I mean, it was like a, it was like a, it was like a painting, like a little piece of art. Going yeah. They managed to include like things like that into it as well. So yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's interesting because it's sort of, in some senses, it seems artless, but there's art to it. Yeah, and it, I, every even when it was clumsy, I think because the film was fifty years old, like uh, overuse of like the fisheye lens, for instance, right, um, was right, like okay, right. but like in nineteen sixty nine, as you're filming this, like ex- precisely what are your choices in some of those you know Mount Everest situations? Right. And another thing too is, is one of the things that really sort of plays to this. If you, but you, but you have to keep it in mind is when this was done. Like this was, like like early late, late, like early seventies is when it came out. And so it's like three people at you know like at this point very few people had been to the top of Mount Everest, right? 
now we have uh, people. Now we have expeditions going up there to clear poop bags from people, from how many people have been to the top of Everest. With the awesome so. power of apples. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so, so in a sense, like keeping in mind, like the uh, sort of what do you want to call it? Like the, not primitive. Yeah, it's kind of the primitive quality of some of the of the filming and 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 what they were doing and some of their equipment was was it really sort of plays to the drama of what's going on. Well, in those situations, and I gotta say, oh, go on. Well, in those situations, it's it's the meta, right? Because it, part of the the film becomes the filming itself. It's like here's here's here are the Sherpas and here are the crew, and it's right. like you know how are they part of the story, and, and it becomes very interesting how they become part of the, of this one guy's story. Yeah, yeah. Six people die during this fucking thing. I mean, yep. that's crazy, dude. Yep. That's the other thing too. The, 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 here's here's the thing. Like, I guess we should talk about our sort of takeaway from this movie as well. Uh-huh. At some point, I have to say there was a part of me that was sort of like really kind of digging it, really into it, and then there's the other part of me going like, "This is just some ego driven asshole putting people's lives at fucking danger for his thing." Because there's a they have a great moment, and this is where the the filmmaker comes in, where you have to create like villains and heroes and tension, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. like you're unsure whether he's a hero or a villain because. These six people die. These six Sherpas die. And by the way, you see them in a scene before they die. You see them enjoying, like, uh, watching a movie. Half like they dragged a, a VHS recorder from 1970 up there for some. I think just for the novelty of like these guys have never seen a movie. Now they're watching it on a mountain. And they see, you know, uh, one of the kids, their uh, elephant boy, I think his name is, or something like that. He's his dad dies. And it's like he's comforting him, but the speeches they give are like half comfort and half like, well, let's not waste their lives. We got to continue to this thing. And it's like, ugh. I mean, I was thinking like, what would you tell their families? Fucking crazy there. Yeah, yeah. and and so uh, yeah, a hundred. Yeah, I like the way that the, the filmmaker creates that sort of. You're not sure how to feel about our protagonist, right? The skiing. Uh, mm-hmm. And I will say this without giving too much away: the 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 skiing scene is is. Super engaging in a way I didn't imagine it would be. Yeah, mm-hmm. they really yeah. do an interesting job with his actual ski down the mountain. <laughs> right, I'm like wow, is it? Is he ever going to stop? <laughs> right. Well, is it ever going to start? First of all, it's like you're you're like looking at like there's ten minutes left of this film. They're really waiting for the event, right? Yeah. And and yeah, I, yeah. I think that goes back to this thing. It's like a lot of films about sporting events. It's just like it's all just like training and then the event, and it's like but. That doesn't, you know, this one's so much more. It gives you so many questions to sort of ponder about, like, what what it means to be, uh, you know, you fill in the blank, right? A hero in the spotlight, a celebrity, accomplished, you know, man versus nature. It's a really, I, I was very taken with this film. I was too. I was, I, I was, uh, uh, I, I thought, um, I thought it would be engaging. It was much more so than I thought it was, and not for the same reasons I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I come to find out, I did a little research. This guy uh, ended up uh, holding, uh, putting together the world record for the oldest man to climb Everest at the age of eighty. Same yeah. guy climbed all the way to the top. What the skier? Uh, but what's that? The skier yeah. climbed yeah. back up at eighty. Yeah, he went back yeah. up at eighty. But here's the thing: uh, people are questioning the record because he didn't make it because he had to be helicoptered down. <laughs> oh. That's what we were saying. That's an impure record. I, uh, I think the climb is the hard part. Buddy. I don't know. I agree with some of those. There was a guy. Um, there was another film about a guy who was doing a marathon a day for thirty days, mm-hmm. and and it was oh no for fifty days it was one per state fifty states fifty days fifty marathons. And he got to one state, and the weather was so bad that he had to do the marathon on a treadmill. 
and, and you know people are just such dicks like no no <laughs> would, that, would that have worked for the bunion derby my friend I don't oh know. the fucking cc piles amazing <laughs> bunion derby no i don't think it would have that's a movie no, i'd really like to see made that would be great would you not as a I, I mean ken burns would have to do the documentary or would you rather see like nick, nick cage as yeah, right. Well, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm really intrigued now. I have to be honest now, having watched this, I wonder, like, I wonder what docu- like earlier documentaries makes me kind of want to go back and look at some, like, like what's a, what's a documentary from the 50s? I'm not even aware of one. Um, lamps yeah. are lighted friend. Remember those horrible... <laughs> Nuclear energy and you. <laughs> right, right. Stop, drop, and roll in the event of a nuclear attack. Well, I mean, and, and when we get to our next film, I think it's even more of the case. But what I was thinking about was a documentary we handled from the 70s on a Patreon episode, uh, episode and that was um, Harlan, Harlan County, Harlan, that's Harlan County, USA. And it was like, really, it was just an event. It was like a, a strike of coal miners and a union who was supported by the sheriff. But what that filmmaker did was to create such a villain out of that sheriff. And, and you know, I guess directors and editors going hand in hand. And that's what I liked first about this, this one, because this man is skied down, because it was like you're creating something. And it was really obvious that, like the creation, if, if you will, like the, the sculpting was more obvious at first, because it was like a lot of flashbacks to like his 1964 uh, run. I think it was in Italy or something, uh, the, the Winter Olympics, and like how that relates to what he's doing now. And they did it subtly, and it was like a good mosaic. But later on, he became such an asshole in a way, or a complicated person, let's say, that, that the director no longer had to do the sort of like mosaic work. It was like, oh, shit, let's let's see how this fucking character turns out. It's kind out. of a psych. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. A little bit. Uh, I have a question for you. Uh, yeah. No, no, serious answers only, really. Resist the temptation to make a joke out of this. Uh, what do Alfred Hitchcock, Rosemary Clooney, and Rebecca De Mornay have in common? I walked into a bar. Um, I, Fuck it, Tom. You couldn't do it. It just you just couldn't do it. I don't know what. None of them became Patreon subscribers, which I think is ridiculous, Tom. <laughs> you just couldn't do it. You can't do it. <laughs> Not a team player. Um, the the uh, they never became Patreon subscribers, and that's insane. That's too bad. Bunch of and I think about it. For five dollars a month, anyone—you don't have to be a celebrity—you can become a patron of our art here, a Patreon <laughs> subscriber, and you will have access to the twice monthly and so far something like forty um, Patreon listener-only uh, episodes, which include—I'm not going to—I'm going to tell you what it is. You have to look it up. But you can get there by going to our website, FinleysOnFilm.com. Or just Google Finley's on Film and Patreon. You'll figure out how to become a subscriber for a mere $5 a month. Um, I just want to put that out there. Or as Rosemary Clooney would say, become a Patreon, sailor. So um, the next episode is 1977. I'd never seen this movie. I'd heard so much about it. Never seen it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you'd seen it before. I'd seen it once before, but yeah, it was one of those things, and I think I saw it like two years ago or something, but it was one of those movies I'd heard so much, a lot about, and I wanted yeah, to see it. Yeah, me too. Watched 19, it. 1977's yeah. Pumping Iron. Yeah, Pumping Iron, uh, which basically is a, it's a documentary covering the 1975 uh, Mr. Olympia contest. Right. Uh, Lou Ferrigno was set to hopefully take you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger down off the top of the mountain. 
Yeah, and it was going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger's um, retirement from, I guess, co- competitive bodybuilding. He'd competitive be- bodybuilding. Although, I, here's, the th- here's the thing. He came out of retirement, I think it was in 85 or 86, oh. uh, and won Mr. Olympia again. Really? Although, people at the time said he it was kind of a, they, 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 it was a gimme. Like, they, they, he should have lost. He shouldn't have won, but whatever. So, seven-time Mr. Olympia. Uh, he, by the way, at, by 1975, I, I'm sure that he had been in that episode of, uh, the streets of San Francisco with the mm-hmm. body, the yeah. bodybuilder who kills. And I want to say he'd also been in his first film, which is Hercules in, in Central Park New York. or New York. Um, so I don't know what the whole, I don't know anything about the whole, like, um, amateur versus professional status, how that actually works. Because, I mean, even the Olympics, by the way, is nonsense. It's amateur, and here's the dream team. You know, it's all nonsense anyway. But I do want to say this. It is um, more than ironic that people, you and I, with such disastrous physiques, are about to enter into the conversation about this movie. (laughs) Because during this uh, stay-at-home, force-at-home quarantine, whatever you want to call it, uh, I, we are noticeably even worse than we were before. Ugh, I hate looking at us. Especially uh, me. Especially you, yeah. Yep, especially me. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, the first half hour of this film, I was I was not taking with it. And one of the problems was I kept thinking about kind of the same thing we were talking about, and that's like, okay, but where's the where's the structure here? I mean, you're just basically following a couple of guys around. And I mean, it's it's a world I'm, I'm sort of interested in. I'm intrigued. It's obviously kind of amazing. So for the first, like, I almost started the movie, I was kind of like put off by the movie almost. And then something interesting happened. And that's that um, we got our villain. Uh-huh. And uh, I we begin to understand what an absolute piece of shit Arnold Schwarzenegger is. What a <laughs> fucking hunk of garbage that guy is. You know, you're so used to, I really am not it's, used it's to this world. psychotic, like his, his competitive, his competitiveness is so psychotic. It's, it's insane. And it's like, I'm used to, I grew up in the Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like, oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger with Danny DeVito and twins. Hilarious. Or like, mm. you know, the Russian, whatever, KGB, you know, or, uh, yeah. you know, um, the movies so, I'm talking Jesus, about. What the Terminator. Hell the name of that movie with fucking Jim Belushi? Red something. Yeah. Red dude. And then, uh, or, you know, Commando or whatever it is. And it's like, I always appreciated him for what he was. Um, mm-hmm. Even as a fucking governor, it wasn't my like first, my first choice. But it's like, eh, you know, California, you know, whatever. It's like, he, he the, the, the Schwarzenegger I knew was vanilla. What a fucking hunk of garbage this guy actually is. <laughs> Holy shit, is he unlikable. My yeah. God. It's really amazing, what a yeah. Fucking ass turd. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's just yeah. He's uh, glibly hateable. Yeah, well, it's way. it's a weird parallel. I think I, I haven't really been keeping up with with it, but the, with the Michael Jordan documentary that's happening, it's sort of like mm-hmm. a maniacal, toxic human being. And I guess it's like, well, that's that's what those people bring to the game. That's why those guys. That's why those people become like the Gretzkys. It makes me I wonder, wonder if about we ever did a documentary about Wayne Gretzky. What a monster we'd find out he is. Or Henry Winkler. <laughs> Well, the Fonz. Hey. The Fonz is actually the the dorkiest fucking doofus. If you ever heard him like talk in an interview, oh. <laughs> it's Henry Winkler yeah. for Depends. Is the Alan Alda of Jimmy Carter's? Nice, nicely put. Yeah, I wonder. I guess you don't have to be a fucking piece of shit to climb to the top, but I guess it helps. I mean, yeah, right. that's, that's we find out that point, this guy man. is just he is like awful, glibly unbothered, untroubled. 
by everything, and he makes it his mission to uh, get inside of Ferrigno's head. Just, oh, yeah. Oh, it's fucking wild. Yeah. It's really funny watching, like, because during the course of it, like, Ferrigno is, is also trying to see if he can get into Schwarzenegger's head, and so is his dad, like, Ferrigno's dad. Oh, his time. father is and heartbreaking. And it just is, like, bounce, and he bounce, bounce. Oh, yeah. Like, Impossible. Well, Ferrigno, it's like, this is a, like, I'm going to say, the, the film came out two years after the competition, and a year before, I think, he started playing the Hulk on TV, right? Bill right, Bixby right, right. to Ferrigno. Mm -hmm. And it's like good for him. I mean, he, he definitely got something out of it. Qu King of Queens later on, but um, Frigno seems like the nicest guy. And of course, you know the fact that he's deaf, you know, only adds to your your perception. I mean, his father, oh Lou, you you got the muscles of an angel. Uh, you know, it's just like he just he's so sweet. That father's so supportive. He just yes, loves so his all son. Of the kids shock, right? Yeah, and it's like, and there, and and I mean, the father. I'm sure hate Schwarzenegger, but it's like he he has. You know what it reminds me of? There's a documentary. Speaking of documentary, sorry to go off here. Called Dear Zachary, and it's about it's about this this older couple from the United from Canada, and their Canadian son goes down and marries this woman, has a baby with her, and and he dies, and it's very clear to them that the that the wife killed him. But in order to see, because it's internet, it's a border. In order to see their grandson, they have to pretend forever that she's she's great. Shut up. Oh, it's it, it gets more heartbreaking from there. But it's just like you're just enraged at what these at the at the 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 anger that these grandparents have to suppress in order to be with their grandkid. Just wait it out till he gets old enough. Just wait it out. Um, and this reminds me of that because it's like you know Lou Ferrigno. Actually, I feel not as bad for because it's like you know he. He's young. He's in the game. The father is just pinning Super all. Super impressionable. These. He's looking. At, he looks up to Arnold, huge, and that's like half the. Like and he knows. He knows what an asshole he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a super engaging movie on that level. I, I mean, I I ended up liking the movie quite a bit. Um, mm -hmm. I will say this: the choice to have what can only be unused pornographic soundtrack. <laughs> It's not just seventies music. It's fucking shag carpet for the years, baby. It is bad. Yeah, it's shag carpet in a van music for sure. Yeah, it's got it's a van with a little bubble window on it, is what that is. But Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If this if this documentary's rocking, don't bother knocking. Yeah. Um so in that sense, it's look, it's not it's not the art piece that the man who skied down Mount Everest is for me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a, I think this one, this one, this is a kind of, this has a real non-arty sort of a super blue-collar feel to the whole documentary. But it does things. Um, I think, but one of the things that it suffers from is not its fault, and that is some of the most engaging things I think were just burned out from by reality television. So it's like what what the director does, for instance. There's a there's a bodybuilder, very likable guy, um, tells a story about being bullied as a kid. Uh, mm -hmm. For everything, you Jew boy, all these sort of things, um, becomes a bodybuilder. Really, really wants to be the new Mister Olympia. Right. Olympia or Olympian? Olympia. With an N or an A? A with an A. Okay. Um, he's sure he can do it, but he has the kind of confidence that you can tell is not Arnold confidence. It's like force. He's gonna like I oh believe me, everybody. Yeah. And, Tony and, Robbins' confidence. Yeah, he sort of. And and you see him um, kind of sweetly badgering his kids to admire his muscles. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's kind of a cringy scene, but it also gets you on his side. Um, yeah. There's the the sort of the nightclub owner who looks a little like 
Tony Orlando on steroids. Um, <laughs> yes. He's got like this funny little story. Um, there's a guy who ends up beating the gym coach um, who's been bad-mouthing him, and then you can see he feels kind of bad. You see the gym coach cry when he doesn't get it. And it's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then and then the other part of it is just the, the interviews with Arnold, and it's like, um, tell us about another human being you drove to, drove to suicide. The one where he tells the, <laughs> guy, he tells the guy to scream. He advises him to scream. And even the people he's in competition with, who I think he actually does like, but it's like, oh, I'll give them, you know, poor advice all to the night. Yeah, no, so his, yeah, his fucking, yeah, no, his pose down is with uh, Franco Colombo. That's his best friend in the world. Yeah, and he's going to Franco Colombo was in every one of Schwarzenegger's over. movies. Oh, yeah. is that right? He yeah. seems very likable. They all seem very likable, but I can't tell if they're actually just that likable or in the light of Schwarzenegger, who is... <laughs> Fucking outrageously unlikable, and it's like I was—I I want to reiterate—I I was yeah. a quasi fan of his. Ugh, mm -hmm. oh, terrible. I like to think he's mellowed over the years, but I don't think he probably has. I think he's probably worse if he's anything. An old friend of mine who teaches high school uh, history, but also like coaches football down in um, Los Angeles, got a chance to meet him a couple times because Schwarzenegger was doing some sort of bodybuilding program or something. And he swears that he, as an older man, he, he became a kind of a sweetheart and, and really invested in kids' lives. And, um, you know, you know that he loves housekeepers. Yes. So that's important. He's in touch with the, he's in touch with the Hispanic community. You know what? That is what a dick he is because he fathered a child with his housekeeper who's the same age as a child he fathered with his wife and just didn't acknowledge it. I mean, openly until the kid was like 14. Mm-hmm. But it's also the thing too, like where like there's this point in it where he's sort of breaking down what he's doing, his goals and all that kind of stuff, yeah. and how it's like a focus on your. But he's focusing on his body. I need to make this in proportion to this. This maniacal, like maniac, yeah, yeah. fucking level of concentration he brings to that. I think he just brought to everything. Well, that's the thing, you know. That's what that's what made him so fucking. He's a tremendous success as a as a as an individual, but maybe not as a human being. Tremendous success as an American. I think that's an important part because one of his things was always like, uh, you know, he saw, he saw Richard Nixon and that inspired him. And, and yeah, he became governor. Stop, you could almost stop right there. But he became, you know, he did what, what you're the rugged individual story, which is like come to America. If you work your ass off and it's like, yes, but notice how many people you have to destroy and you don't go to your father's funeral and you this and, and you know, people are like repulsed by you. It's like that is the unspoken part. And it's spoken in this film. It's it's yeah. a, it's an indictment in some way of like the American dream. This movie. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm, interesting. Mm. Yeah, that would be true. I would say that that is a correct statement. Yeah. Ooh, well played, Joseph. Good catch. So I ended, I ended up really liking the film, although I, I still like the, the, the Mount Everest film a little bit more. Um, but I did like this film. I don't want to make the mistake that like our parents, uh, like, well, my mother does for instance with like, uh, I didn't like that character. Therefore the film's no good. And it's like, no, right, right, right. sometimes you can have an awful character. It's a great film. Or maybe that's yeah, what happens when it's an actual person who's, who is that all? I wonder, although I wonder, you know, there's a part of me that I think the man is so manipulative that I wonder if he maybe played that up. Oh, to, yeah, no doubt about it, because he was really enjoying holding court. In he moments. really was loving doing it. Oh, yeah, yeah, he is really... Whoever he tells the guy to scream when during a pose goes, fuck you. He just ruins some guy's life. I mean, more than one, for sure. It, the, the, the lives he doesn't ruin are just the people who are enough onto him that they can kind of survive him, and that's the Lou Ferrigno's, the, the Frank. What's his name, Frank? Frank Ocolombo. Ocolombo. I mean, that guy's a, a cheese ball too. You know, you have 
uh, B-roll of him back in Italy, and his, I guess his father owns a body shop, and he's like, he's moving Fiat's around so they can get around the parking lot, you know, by hand, and it's like, yeah, that, that kind of hammy shit, or, or you know, Lou Ferrigno screaming in his, his way of talking <laughs> as he's lifting weights <laughs> is, is kind of amazing, and it's cornball and all that sort of stuff, but uh, anyway. Well, I have uh, to say, like, during the, uh, during the early 80s, there was a period of time when I was super into, into uh, bodybuilding. Columbo was, like, my hero. He was the guy I, like, I, that I kind of, like, that I loved. I love that guy. So. He's, and he's, now, he's kind I'm of famously at, a nice guy. He went on to become a doctor. I'm looking at you now, and I'm assuming yeah. you mean Peter Falk. Um, <laughs> yes, Columbo. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. One more thing. I'm not going to lift anything. One more rep. <laughs> All right, Tommy. I understand that you have a website, sir. I do, Smitty. Uh, TomSmithComedy.com. Okay, and I just reiterate that it's not a bad idea. Please, 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 we beg of you to become Patreon subscribers. Am I too Some of us have more dignity than that, Yeah, uh, we, we don't. Um, and that's for a mere, <laughs> a mere $5 a month. If you just go to Finley's on Film uh, and Patreon, you can figure out how to sign up and get access to all of those Finley's Fine Reserve episodes. Pals, am. And you can also give us feedback at finleysonfilm at gmail.com. And also rate and review us on iTunes. I love you, Tommy. Thanks for recommending this episode that is still titleless <laughs> because I don't know what the fuck to call it. But thank you anyway. These were interesting films. All right. See ya. Pow, zoom. <laughs>